We're dealing with part three on the warfare against the glory. So y'all please agree with me tonight as I pray. Let me know when everything's good to go. We okay? All right, so Father, we lift up this time in the Word, and we love your Word. I mean, we love the worship, we love your presence, and we love the, the ministry and the move of the Holy Spirit. But Lord, we love the Word of God so much, and we thank you for your Word. And as we pray tonight, I ask you that you would anoint me and speak through me everything that needs to be spoken, Lord, that it will be thorough. And Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit right now those that are listening, that are going to be hearing this live, those that are going to hear recordings, that your Holy Spirit would move powerfully upon all of us and help us just to get locked in and focused. There's not going to be distractions, but the Holy Spirit to touch our minds and our hearts to help us to be good soil. And that by the Holy Spirit, you would anoint our eyes and ears, have eyes and ears of the Spirit to be able to see things we couldn't see before, to be able to hear what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. And Lord, I pray that the Bible says that the birds of the air try to steal the seed. So, Lord, we know that Jesus taught us that's the enemy. And so we take authority and we bind right now in the name of Jesus anything that would try to hinder this word from going forth and accomplishing everything God's perfect will is for it to accomplish. We bind the enemy now in Jesus' name. And, Lord, I ask you to speak through me to be like living seeds of truth sown in the good soil, watered by the Holy Spirit, take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest. Lord, that it will remain until Jesus comes. Let there be a shining light of your word, your truth, that will dispel all darkness. And let there be a washing of the water of the word. And let your word go in power like a hammer breaking through strongholds and a sword that penetrates and gets where it needs to go. So, Lord, we thank you. We stand on the promise your word will not return void, but accomplish that which you sent it for it to do. So we stand on that and we thank you as we agree together corporately. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen, Lord, let it be. All right. So we're dealing with uh, warfare against the glory. I mean, you guys know it's been saved very long that the devil is not going to just sit back when God's moving. And, um, you know, when you have a powerful anointing or a powerful move of the Holy Spirit going on, his glory is in a place the enemy wants to attack the glory and we've dealt with that already a lot in the respect of, you know, Lucifer and his fall and all that. I'm not going to get, uh, I'll get into some of that tonight, but I'm not going to backtrack very much. But my heart in this sermon series was that you be protected. And so I've told some stories about things I've seen, things that have happened. And I want everybody to be protected that when the enemy tries to attack down the road, that we've all dealt with whatever it is we need to deal with so that the enemy's not going to be able to come in specifically with Leviathan or other spirits like Jezebel and um, religion. Well, that religious spirit is a foul demon, isn't it? All right, so let's go ahead and jump into this. Uh, one to deal with the seven things that God hates tonight in Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. And let me just say that... Um, the terminology here, when it says in the word of God that God hates it or it's an abomination to him, that's the strongest terminology that there is in the Bible. Okay, So God's feelings about these things are very strong hatred of these things. And so we need to make sure that we don't have these in our lives. And if people would be honest, they would have to admit that they have had these and may be dealing with some of them now. But man, I would... 
I know you feel this way, but I don't want God to have feelings of hatred toward anything that I'm doing. Amen? All right. So Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, these are six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven which are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, and a false witness who utters lies. And this is the first time a pronoun is going to be used here. And the one that sows discord among the brethren. You know, I've got to walk this earth for how many years I'm here. I don't want God to look down and have feelings of hatred toward anything I'm doing. You know, and it says God hates the one that sows discord among the brethren. I don't want him to look down here and me to be sowing discord among the brethren. Amen. All right, so let's break these down. Number one, haughty eyes. We already kind of talked about this, but eyes of pride, criticism. There are people out there that struggle with this, and I've mentioned this through this series at the Brownsville Revival. Years ago, Steve Hill said that the greatest deliverance he saw at Brownsville was that of a critical spirit. And people that have these eyes about them that they can't hardly go anywhere without somehow finding something critical. They look up at leaders, at worship bands, at services, whatever it is, and they go in there and they have a critical spirit about them. They're prideful and they're looking down. Number one, it's pride, but it's being very judgmental and critical of other people. And those are haughty eyes. That's arrogant. And then the second thing, a lying tongue. The third is hands that shed innocent blood. And it's, you know, I had no idea this was going to come up this week when I made this sermon. But, you know, here recently we've had, uh, you know, abortion laws in New York get even worse. But these type of things are going to happen in these latter days. I hate it and I know you do too. But hands that shed innocent blood. Number one, abortion obviously is shedding innocent blood. But Jesus taught us that hatred, if you really hate somebody in your heart, you've already murdered them. And also, there is a spirit of murder. I hope y'all can hear me tonight. There are people out there that their so-called ministry is to tear down and destroy others. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You've seen them out there. It's like anybody that's anointed has multiple enemies out there that target them through television through the internet and they're just trying to destroy them how many of you guys have seen this i'm sure that you have all right that behind that is a spirit of murder and it's trying to simply destroy people that you don't you know you don't agree with and that also falls under this category of hands that shed innocent blood because it's trying to murder somebody's anointing and their destiny in God, their ministry, and trying to destroy them, trying to destroy their families. is horrible. All right, number four, a heart that devises wicked schemes. Number five, feet that rush into evil. Number six, a false witness who utters lies. A couple things about that. I just thought about recently with the Kavanaugh hearings. You know, you have somebody come up that right there as he's about to come into office, what do you have? You have somebody, a false witness coming up, uttering lies. Y'all hear me? But not only that, but gossips. 
How many churches have been destroyed because of people's mouths? And some people feel so comfortable running other people down and talking about people that it is very arrogant, but it's also very destructive. And God hates gossip. And then number seven is the one, and it says this in the Hebrew, it's, it is a person, the one that sows discord among the brethren. Many times that's through gossip. It's through somebody's mouth. They go through a church, and they're slandering you know, the pastor, the youth pastor, somebody they don't like, and they go around talking about people behind their back, and it brings so much destruction. And God truly hates these things. And these things are rooted in pride, and they're a door for the enemy to come in and start attacking people. And when we get to the end of this sermon, I'm going to give you a couple stories as I've been doing, try to help people. But don't give place to the devil. The Bible says to not open a door and give him any type of place. And these haughty eyes, a lying tongue, trying to, you know, being on gossip and all these things, it can really bring destruction in your life. All right. Then you have the nature of Satan. In Isaiah 14, starting with verse 12, How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn. You have been cut down to earth, you who weaken the nations. But you said in your heart, I will ascend. This concerns me because I see this a lot of times where people have such a pride about them that they want to promote themselves. When I was going through years ago, you know, pursuing ministry, going to Bible school and all this, there's people that had these ambitions about them that they wanted to go into certain places and meet certain people and do certain things. And they had this pride about them that they wanted to exalt themselves or make a place for themselves. How many knows the Bible says if you'll humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he'll exalt you. But there's something about in the, a prideful heart that they want to ascend. They want to make it happen. They want to exalt themselves. And it goes on to say about Lucifer, it says, I will raise my throne above the other stars. And so you have here a situation where the stars are speaking about other angels, okay? And it's saying that Lucifer wanted to raise his throne above his peers. How many people out there, unfortunately some in the ministry, that want to exalt themselves above their peers? What did Jesus say? Let the greatest among you be humble and be a servant. He said like a child. He talked about washing other people's feet. He said, I will sit upon the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north, which is where God was seated. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I'll make myself like the most high. Nevertheless, you will be thrust down to Sheol, which is hell, to the recesses of the pit. So Satan wants to exalt himself even to the place that God is seated. But God said, I'll throw you all the way down to hell, which is the lowest place. Ezekiel 28, starting with verse 12. And it's talking about Lucifer here, and it says, You had the seal of perfection, 
full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the ruby, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, onyx, and jasper, etc., etc. It says, the workmanship of your tabrets and pipes were in you. So there the tabrets have to do with rhythms like drums. The pipes have to do with chords. There was something in Lucifer that had to do with praise and worship. We've already discussed all this. On the day you were created, they were prepared. You were the anointed cherub that covers. I placed you there. You were on the holy mountain of God, and you walked in the midst of the fiery stones. You were blameless in all your ways from the day you were created until iniquity was found in you. And by the abundance of your trade, you were internally filled with violence, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as profane from the mountain of God, and I have destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was lifted up, pride, right there, because of your beauty. You corrupted your, your wisdom by reason of your splendor, and I cast you to the ground. So it says there, by your widespread trade. And here's the interesting thing a lot of people don't know, but in the Hebrew there, that word for trade is the same Hebrew word that's used in the book, I believe it's Leviticus, but where it says that you will not go about among my people as a talebearer, as a gossip. And so what Lucifer was doing was he was walking through the courts of heaven and he was going to different angels and different groups of angels and different classes of angels and he was slandering God and trying to put God in a negative light. He was successful at turning a third against God and they fell with him. But see, I'm trying to show you the nature of Satan and how many has been in church long enough that you've already seen this? I have. So you have arrogance, you have pride that leads to rebellion, but you also have somebody that's going around among God's people as a talebearer and a gossip, a slanderer that's trying to turn other people against leaders. Amen? They can hear me back there, I'm telling you, they're amen to me even now. So the pride that leads to rebellion. And let me say this too. I grew up in church and um, I went to church with a lot of people that grew up in church. They were young. And sadly, I would say a lot of these that I grew up with in church, many of them are definitely on their way to hell. They don't know God. They're not living for God. Something has worked its way through a lot of places especially here in the south where people feel they can go to church and say a little prayer and end up in heaven well there's a little bit more to it than that you better be born again and you better be legit and be sincere i remember there was one guy who said you know i'd rather go to church and there'd be a few hypocrites than to go to hell with all of them But I knew a lot of people who grew up in church and they're not going to heaven when they die. Unless they repent, I hope they do, but they're far from God. Um, but anyway, this is the deceptiveness of Lucifer that he's so full of pride and so full of rebellion. How many people out there today are living rebellious lives? They go to church and they'll sing a song, 
but they live a different life outside of church. All right, so David had to deal with some things in his life. Now, one of his, I think it was his great-grandmother, maybe great-great-grandmother, was Ruth the Moabitess. And so David had something in his ancestry there. It goes back to Moab. And it was interesting because in Psalm 51, verse 5, behold, I was, he said this. Now, he had sinned. Uh, David lived a very righteous life up until this point. And then he repented and lived a righteous life for the rest of his life. This was an isolated time in his life, okay? But he did fall hard into sin during this time. And when David was repenting and really getting things right with God in Psalm 51, verse 5, he said, before the Lord, he said, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. It's interesting that David began to recognize that there was something iniquitous in him. And we've been talking a little bit about generational things, generational curses, generational tendencies. But things traffic down family bloodlines. And I know you guys know that. David, once he fell into sin, I can only imagine he's thinking to himself, I had always been a man after God's own heart. How did this deception come upon me? How did this happen? And as he was crying out to God, there was somewhat of a revelation here that he realized that there was some iniquity in him that it affected him. And he didn't know it was there. How many of you guys have been going after God and really praying and seeking God for God to, to take you deeper and to show you things and all of a sudden, something came up in you that you did not know was there. But God showed it to you. And it's like, man, I had no idea that was in me. Lord, forgive me. Take this out of me. And so David did not realize there was something in him. There was some kind of an iniquity root there. But as he was crying out to God, I believe God helped him with it. And you read that the rest of David's life, he truly repented. And God blessed David to where even through Bathsheba, Solomon was born, who inherited the throne. And so God restored him. But there's something that travels down family lines. My wife and I know a lot about this because her family were you know, deeply involved in the occult and witchcraft and Satanism, things like that. Her father was into Satanism. And so when she accepted Christ as her savior, there was things in her life and her whole family really that she had to deal with and get broken. And there's things that are inherited that are in, when I say in people, I'm talking about iniquity within, that they find themselves having uh, desires toward certain things, being pulled, being pulled maybe toward the occult or pulled toward sexual immorality or pulled to other things. And how many knows Jesus said, or it says about Jesus that he was bruised for our iniquity. So we can be free of this, but we've got to take it serious and pray about it like David did. And get on our face and say, Lord, forgive me for this iniquitous root in my life. And forgive me for it being in my ancestry. And I'm asking you by the blood of Jesus to pull this junk out of me. Also, generational curses. There's people that because of the iniquity within them they inherited. And because of generational curses, etc. 
they find themselves their feet being guided to places that they never thought they would end up going into situations they never thought they would be in doing things they never thought they would do just like david king of israel and he really was a sincere man of god but he found himself watching a woman bathe how did his feet get guided there you see what i'm saying something in him iniquitous that God had to take out of David. And David found himself doing things he thought he would never do. Committing adultery and then murder. If people will take it serious, there's freedom in Christ. But people got to be serious with the Lord. And we do a lot of witnessing around here, our church, I mean continually. And I can tell you that after talking, I don't even know how many people we've talked to. But you'll find this all the time. Oh, yeah, I go to church. I've gone to church, and I'm a Christian, whatever. And they're not living for the Lord, and they're not going to heaven when they die. They're not really saved. And how many people are just religious? How many knows that religion's not going to get you into heaven? You better be born again. And if you're born again, you're born of God, the seed of God is within you, you're not going to be able to continue to live a life of sin because the Holy Spirit in you will convict you. And how many people we've talked to, we've had to help them see, now wait a second. Well, there's a lot of people that say they're saved, and there's a lot of people that you know, grew in church or whatever, but they don't know the Lord. And um, once they really realize that, we've seen several people really sincerely repent and give their lives to the Lord. It's been really powerful. Well, it's quiet in here tonight. All right, we have to do this every once in a while. All right, everybody, everybody say, I love, I love Pastor Scott. Pastor Scott. Right, there you go. Let's just clear the air. All right. <laughs> and, um, and we'll just pray for Karen tonight. Just lots of prayer. I heard something over there. But Leviathan, let me close out with this. Leviathan rules over the children of pride. There is freedom, there is deliverance in Christ. Let me just tell you, if God could save my wife from the uttermost, and me too, but she, she was, grew up in a family really far from God. If, if my wife could be saved, and my wife could be delivered from all the things she had to be delivered, um, he can save anybody and deliver anybody. Amen. And she, had, she even, it was to the degree that she had a lot of things done against her will to her that were satanic rituals and things that we had to confront and break the power of those things. But I'm here to tell you that she is victorious. And Jesus paid for that victory at the cross. So anyway, if we'll get real with God, he'll be real with us. Now, Leviathan rules over the children of pride. So the nature of Satan, the nature of Lucifer, is to be lifted up with pride. See, the Lord opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. See, we need to be humbling ourselves before the Lord and saying, Lord, forgive me for anything in me. Take out of me whatever you need to take out of me. Do in me whatever you need to do. We need to be humble. But see, a prideful person will never feel that way. A prideful person will feel like I'm just fine the way I am. Who are you talking to? The Bible says about Leviathan, Leviathan is a serious spirit of pride. It's powerful. But Leviathan rules over the children of pride. There are certain spirits 
that we're not dealing here with specifically in this series I'm not dealing with necessarily casting a spirit out of a person that that's definitely needed these type of things like the Viathan is you need to just really repent of all the junk and then they will lose their control over your life see some spirits act like puppet masters in the heavenlies that the more that they can attach strings to your life the more they can manipulate and control your life but as you really humble yourself and repent and let God take the junk out of you it's snipping every single string so you can be freed up and the Le Leviathan falls under that category as a spirit like that it's a it's a second heaven oppressive thing over regions and over the world i believe so job 41 34 he looks on everything that is high and he is the king over all the sons of pride in first corinthians 8 1 now concerning things sacrificed to idols we know that we have knowledge but look at this knowledge makes arrogant and some says the, some versions say knowledge puffs up but love edifies so we got to be careful because people take pride in different things. But humbling oneself and let God purge out all that pride out. And Galatians 5, 9, a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. So that little bit of pride can work its way through all through a person and can try to work its way all through a church. So let me give you two stories as I close out tonight. So we dealt with the things God hates. We dealt with also the nature of Satan. Pride, rebellion, and being somebody that's a gossip, a talebearer. These things are the, the nature of Satan. That's how he operates. And just remember, that's what did he do to Adam and Eve? Did God really say? And then he began to what? Try to put God in a negative light. He was doing the same thing again. He was going about trying to, to spread something negative about God, their authority figure, and turn them against him. All right, here's a couple things. So as we've been going through this series, I've been trying to share a few stories to just help people and to warn you but I remember years ago there was a young man and we were really close at one time and I'd really you know been ministering to him and his wife for whatever reason had tendencies to be prideful and rebellious and over time she kept saying negative things about the authority figure that was over them, about the church they were going to. And he began, instead of correcting her, he began to entertain these thoughts. And I remember that I saw him, and God showed me like a vision, and it was, it was really odd at first, but once I understood what God was showing me, but it looked in his mind, it looked like watermelon seeds. And I was like, what? And God spoke to me and said, these are the lies that he keeps entertaining in his mind. Well, it wasn't long till some time passed. And more and more and more, he was taking on a totally different personality and a totally different nature. He's believing lies now that are being told him. And so now he's becoming more and more of a different person. He's getting more and more prideful, more and more rebellious. 
now he would say things that he would have never said before and he's starting to do things he would have never done before well anyway make a long story short it, it really brought a lot of damage unfortunately so be careful about the thoughts you entertain and the emotions you entertain because my wife and I'll tell you that I, was, I know she had to help back there, but I was giving some of your testimony tonight. But my wife and I will tell you that the, the Bible says in Ephesians that the fiery darts of the enemy. What are the fiery darts of the enemy? Primarily the way Satan attacks people is in their mind and in their emotions. Pretty soon these thoughts come in and they don't recognize that it's the enemy. So they start entertaining thoughts from demonic spirits. And if they keep doing that and keep doing that, pretty soon they start changing as a person. Their personality changes the way they think, the way they talk. And same thing with the emotions. All right, so that leads me to another story. So there was a, another couple that we were ministering two years ago. And God had really done a work in these two lives. I mean, there was radical change. As a matter of fact, God had healed them of things, significant things, okay? God had delivered them from demonic spirits and things that were serious. And when I tell you that it's serious, I mean, th this was major healing and major deliverance, okay? So pretty much God transformed their life and did a great work. But at some point in time, for whatever reason, the enemy was putting thoughts in their mind and messing with their emotions and so pretty soon things their personality starts changing they start thinking different talking different acting different and things got so far gone over a period of time that I was trying to talk to the young man and it was like his perception of reality was completely skewed he would remember things that were totally different than reality it'd be like tonight if you go outside and it's a certain temperature this guy would say it was pouring down rain it was you know really hot outside I mean just his memory of thing what happened how can somebody get to that point to where literally their perception of reality is so skewed in the natural they would say well this is mental illness well no not in this case in this case people were dealing with demonic spirits and they were messing with their minds and they would not renew their mind and these are people that I knew for a long time and should have known better they were old enough in the things of God to know better they should have rebuked the enemy and said something like this you lying spirit that's putting these thoughts in my mind I bind you you're gonna leave right now and take all your thoughts with you and they should have renewed their mind and thought on something else and these spirits that were messing with their emotions same thing I command you to be bound and leave me I'm not gonna put up with this had they took a stand and resisted the enemy but what they did was they got deceived into thinking that the thoughts and the emotions all this critical negative stuff was from God they felt it was the Holy Spirit they were looking with haughty eyes and they began to speak with a lying tongue you hear me and their personalities totally changed and they got to the point to where my wife and I there was absolutely nothing we could do anymore 
And we said, we love you, but there's nothing else we can do. And they left in a negative way, but it was all on them. We tried to reach out. You got to be careful to not come in agreement with the enemy. Amen. So I'm sharing all that in this series because as the glory of God, y'all hear me, River of Life, as the glory of God keeps increasing, and as the anointing of the Lord is intensifying, and as things continue to progress, just like, you know, Brother Benny was with us, and he really saw things enlarging, as things begin to break out and increase, what's going to happen, I'm trying to warn you that I've seen it before, and I don't want you to get hurt spiritually. Don't get lifted up with pride about anything. Don't get rebellious. And don't be a gossip. If you have a problem with somebody, just go talk to them. Don't go and run them down to other people. And pretty soon you have factions in the church. How many churches out there have this group over here that doesn't like this group over here? In the church. God will never move in a place like that. I'm just telling you. Until they deal with all that division. Don't entertain negative thoughts about people, about leaders, about the church or whatever. Don't come in agreement. Remember the word agreement. Don't come in agreement with thoughts and emotions that are being impressed upon you by the enemy. It is our responsibility to discern it. Because the Bible says if you submit unto God and resist the devil and he'll flee. That the worst thing you can do is instead of resisting the devil is to come into agreement with it. Because pretty soon now this thing is getting more and more influence over a person. And pretty soon you start noticing, hey, wait a second, they're acting different. Their personality's changing. The way they talk and treat people's different. They've got a cockiness about them that's not good. They seem to be now more rebellious. What happened? Something has been influencing them and they're in agreement with it. They better deal with it before it really gets to a point to like the things I talked about tonight to where their minds are really delusional and their perception of reality is so skewed it's going to take a miracle. All right. So, Lord, we thank you for the power of your word tonight. And, Lord, I pray for River of Life because I've seen this many times over. And, Lord, we need to have unity. And, Lord, we need your peace and your presence and things to be the way it needs to be. And so, Lord, I pray for sharpened discernment in Jesus' name. And while people's heads are bowed and eyes are closed, you know, I have things like this all the time. We witness all the time and talk to people all the time about the Lord but just make sure that you're really saved okay the Bible says examine yourself growing up in church saying a prayer things like that that's not going to save you the Bible says you must be born again let God deal with things in us that need to be dealt with I just feel like there's some people and maybe on the recording live they're on Facebook or whatever there may be some people out there that you've been in church but things are not really right with you and the Lord Okay, it's going to be somebody that's truly born of God and somebody that's living a righteous life. I think about Matthew 7, 21. Many on that day will say, Lord, Lord, we did all this stuff in your name. He's going to say, depart, I never knew you. So Lord, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, Lord, somehow that you would get through all that religion 
get through any areas of pride, people that are listening to this, that you'll penetrate and pierce through, Lord, all the deception and all the rebellion and all this junk, that by your Holy Spirit you'll penetrate. Lord, let there be a conviction. Lord, let people truly, something will happen tonight that are hearing this, that they're truly going to get right with God, ready for the coming of the Lord. They're not going to play games. It's going to be real. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right.